What up? And welcome in to Please Bear With Me. And it is a beautiful Monday evening here in Waco, Texas. Gearing up for some Monday night football. But of course, gotta put the finishing touches here to the pod. Currently up 24 points in my Dynasty Fantasy League. I have Austin Eckler left to play, but I am playing against Herbert, Keenan Allen, and uh, Mike Williams, so things are not looking too great. But things are looking up for us in this next hour. Scotty Swingler returns to co-host. Talk about that Oklahoma State game, the West Virginia matchup coming up, and of course the current state of your Baylor Bears. So without further ado, please bear with me. Bears fans, welcome in to Please Bear With Me. I'm your host, Travis Corley, and a little bit of a special episode here, co-hosting with me today, from the get-go, Scotty Swingler. What's up, man? How you doing? Dude, I am well. How are you? Um, Much better than I was on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think uh, the listeners know that too. I I had a rough Saturday. Had a rough I think, Saturday. I think most of them also had a rough Saturday and are probably feel, feeling a little better on this Monday. I think so too. Always <laughs> good to get perspective, man. And sometimes hard to hard to get perspective after a, a rough loss like that. Um, and that's actually, I want to start there. Um, and I want to give a little bit of an apology here to our listeners. I was pretty negative on Saturday. I was. And Scotty and I have prided this podcast and ourselves on being positive, optimistic. And, uh, you know, I, I like to take a note out of the page of Herm Edwards playbook and type out the tweet and delete. And I did not do that on Saturday. So guys, we are a positive podcast here. We're optimistic and I let that get away from me. So not gonna let it happen again. No, but Um, let's be, no, but here's where we need to be. Travis, here's the truth. There, there are other people who cover Baylor who I think are always working way too hard to put a positive shine on things. Sometimes there's, there's stuff we got to talk about, like there's problems and that's okay. Um, uh, but I also am never going to be the guy that wants to just crap all over college athletes. Right. Like, you know, so I think there's a very fine line we've got to walk here and, and, uh, you know, I don't know that you quite crossed it Saturday, even though you, you were definitely blowing off the steam. <laughs> I was close. I was really close. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, Scotty, how, how are you feeling about the team right now? Just like from where, from where we talked about before the season started to now, like how, how are you feeling? Great. I mean, I mean, you tell me if you had told me preseason, look at those first five games, you go four and one, I would take it every day. I mean, preseason, I would have taken that every day, assuming that we lost to Iowa state and or Oklahoma state, like, I would have taken it. So, um, you know, I think overall, all things considered, this is a good start to the season. And Baylor, with with how unimpressive most of the Big 12 has been to this point, Baylor is still in this thing. And I don't want to sit here and, and 
I would not predict that Baylor would reach the Big 12 championship game at this point. But Baylor's in the hunt. There's there's no reason that Baylor is not in the top three or four in the conference right now today, even after what we saw Saturday, and could very well compete for the conference, you know, if you bounce back and play well this weekend against West Virginia. It's right there. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I get the it's still right there for the taking as as bad as as we have played in the second half from Iowa State on to just this entire game, really. So right. and, and I'm right there with you. I think we both came on here thinking we'd be three and two going into this game. And here we are four and one. So couldn't couldn't be happier about. Go ahead. I, I think I picked us to go four and one here. OK, uh, we can check the tape. No, but, kudos to you. But, but I know like three and two was definitely, I think, the expectation regardless of how any sure. individual picks like game by game the season to go and, yeah. and so i think you're still ahead of expectations here at for sure for sure and are, are you happy with that decision that we've made at quarterback are you happy with we've rolled with bohannon yeah yeah and in fact i i'm i'm kind of like sitting here shocked you would even ask i i don't think there's any question yeah um it was uh, you and i both talked about before the season that's who we would go with for a plethora of reasons they went with him i'm gonna trust that they went with him because it was obvious in practice to them as well and uh you know we'll talk about his performance i'm sure in a minute but i i uh i am still confident he's in the top half of quarterbacks in the in the conference and i would still take him over um the other choices that we had at the time before the season so yeah no doubt in my mind about that yeah sure i agree with you there um Let's get into this Oklahoma State recap. Um, give me, like, uh, sum up this game for us. What, what's your quick little game synopsis? Not ready to play in Stillwater. Com- complete, completely not prepared for what that atmosphere was going to be. Um, and and it's funny because uh, if you listen to the players talk after the game, and they had uh, Abram Smith and Dylan Doyle spoke to the press right after the game, uh, they sent you mixed signals, but it tells you all you need to know. They said simultaneously, oh, the atmosphere didn't get to us. It didn't bother us. It, you know, this is just road on the Big 12. But but Ebner, uh, I'm sorry, not Ebner. Um, Abram Smith said something uh, that I thought was really telling and really the story of the game. He said, they asked him, what adjustments did you make at halftime to come out and play better in the second half? And he said, we didn't make any adjustments. We just got our energy up, mm. um, which tells me they were not mentally and emotionally where they needed, needed to be at kickoff to play in that environment so we will get into the details there was a lot specifically and within the play itself that was not great but i really think a lot of it and maybe even the majority of it comes back to you were not mentally and emotionally prepared for your first true road game i know we played in lawrence no disrespect to lawrence kansas this was your first true intimidating away environment of the season on top of that, you and I have talked plenty of times. I think it's the I think it's the best home field advantage in the conference, and it showed. And I think they were not mentally where they needed to be at kickoff, and it took them a half to get going. Um, and you can't do that on the road in the Big Twelve. You can't take a half no, off. No. And luckily, we were still even in the game. You know, fourteen to zero at half was a gift, an absolute gift to us. Well, and you talk about, we talk about wanting to be positive. I'm going to come away from this game and we'll talk more in a second, I'm sure, but I'm going to come away from this game saying like, um, we should have won it. And even as poorly as we played, we should have won it. And with the poor play. And so I'm, I, I actually am more optimistic after this game that I think a lot of people might be, because I think if we put even like 
halfway good effort in the first half, I think we we roll. I think we walk away with a two touchdown victory. So I'm I'm actually like, you know, we played poorly, but I think you saw enough in this team to see that we can compete with most people and should be competing with everybody in the conference. Yeah, I, I think so too. And just spe- specifically with that offense, it was a strength on strength matchup there with Oklahoma State rush defense and and Baylor's rushing attack to to this point in the year. And we all saw Oklahoma State won won that strength on strength matchup. What like what went wrong? Did we just not block people, or was it a scheme thing, or was it a little bit of both? Like what went wrong? Why couldn't we run the ball? Execution. I, I mean, I think I think we. We uh, did not uh, – We um, how do I say this? We did not overappreciate the offensive line in the first four weeks because they did play outstanding. But I think everybody expected Iowa State's front seven to be the front seven that finally showed us where our offensive line is still imperfect. And it was actually Oklahoma State's front yeah. seven that is proving to be better than Iowa State's front seven. So I uh, I just think it's a lack of execution up front, man. I really – again, that's not very – detailed or in-depth breakdown here but that's what it was it was their front seven beat our front guys and um beat them pretty badly most of the game uh, i think abram smith is is making a case to be a, a draft pick i mean i think he's proving to be a really really good back um but you can't do anything if the line doesn't get leveraged up front and they did not oklahoma state wanted it more they played with more physicality um, and we knew, like, again, preseason, none of us thought this offensive line was going to be good. Right. And so we knew at some point there was going to be some missteps and, and some under some poor performances. And it happened. So, yeah, I mean, we just got absolutely manhandled from from the start of the game. And, and, and to your point, just probably weren't ready to play and then came out and got punched in the mouth and just could not get back up. And I was kind of hoping we would shuffle in some more guys on the offensive line there, maybe a little bit earlier um, to see what we got. You know, if, if it's not being successful, um, throwing someone else in there, seeing how they respond to the atmosphere, seeing if, hey, it, we're running it this badly. How, how much worse can it get, you know, throwing someone in there? So I was kind of hoping we would see some offensive line shuffling a little bit more in this game. We didn't. I don't think Xavier Newman Johnson played very well at all this game. Um, but yeah, we just just dominated, dominated from 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 the get go. And well, and and I think so people are going to talk about several struggles that we had on offense. And I think all of them go back to the line. Even I, I know several people um, and maybe you've kind of already pointed this out. We're critical of Bohannon. I think Bohannon struggles go back to the offensive line. Yeah. Um, and people talk about he looked afraid to set his feet. Uh, there's the one. I don't know if you saw the image of him rolling out of that perfectly clean pocket there on yeah. a fourth and four late in the game. Yeah, I think. But and and and, and hey, let's let's give him you know the truth. Uh, he he did make some mistakes that were pretty critical. Um, but I think he got off balance mentally, and and kind of reverted to some bad habits of his because especially early. Um, they were not able to get him in a good rhythm and, and he did have to run around a little bit, certainly a lot more than he has so far this season. Um, and so he needs to work on, you know, maintaining his pocket presence and composure. But I think a lot of his struggles were because uh, 
uh, he got psyched out a little bit by by um, how quickly Oklahoma State was yeah. getting back. Yeah. I mean, they they got back there quick. You know, all right, we want to talk about our run defense, uh, a run off and run rushing attack not being very good. I mean, the passing was may, maybe worse because I, I felt like Bohannon just didn't feel comfortable the whole game. To your point, I felt like, man, he, that underthrow to Tyquan Thornton, that I just keep coming back to that play. If he had gotten two to three more yards on that throw, it's a touchdown. And we're probably well, talking about a whole different game here. There's two. There were two underthrows to Taekwon that could have been touchdowns. There's one that he caught for a big game. Yes, yes. But then there was the one earlier in the game that was deflected away, right? Yeah. Because Taekwon had to slow down. Um, here's the deal. Gary uh, is proven to be a, a, a very fine college quarterback. Like, I think he's really good. And he's only going to get better. Like, I'm really optimistic about Gary um, moving forward. His deficiency, his one weakness in his game all season to this point has been deep ball accuracy. It's not yes. about arm strength. This isn't a Charlie Brewer, like he can't make the throw. He's got the arm strength. It's He just has not quite, you know, Dak made a throw Sunday uh, to Amari Cooper that they they were, the commentators were raving about. It was just a drop in the bucket, right? Mm-hmm. Gary has not done that yet. And, right. and I believe that's something he will continue to improve upon. I think that's something you can correct and get good at uh, through practice. Um, but it definitely cost us a couple of times there. So, you know, again, it was an offensive line weakness, but then um, Gary's couple of weaknesses really were like popping there yeah, um, it, when we couldn't get anything else going. It was almost like a perfect storm going to Stillwater of them showing his weaknesses. Um, you know, I'd been, I'd been impressed with his pocket presence up until this point. And then that pressure, I think j- just got to him. And he started, like you said, reverting back to, Oh man, I got to get out of here and make a play. Right. And, and I want Gary to move to use his legs. I do. And, and I think he's shown up until this point this year that, he is going, he wants to rely on his arm more than he does his legs. I like that. I want him to continue that. But that being said, he needed to rush more in the first half and he needs to get better at realizing one progression, two progression. Okay. Now I need to run and maybe he's holding on to it just a little bit too much and he needs to take off just a little bit sooner. Um, I completely agree with you. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And we tried to get him involved in that run game in the second half. That was very apparent on the first drive. Um, but then it just became predictable. Um, and I know, like, I know that this offense is not RPOs. It's not read options. Like, we're not going to see that. But a part of me wants to maybe instill a few of those plays because they are so effective with who we have at, at quarterback. Um, and, but I just, I just don't know if Grimes is, is going to do something like that. I want to give Grimes a lot of credit. I think Grimes has taken a lot of crap, um, this week after Saturday. And I, w- I want to give him a lot of credit. Um, every ounce of improvement is because Jeff Grimes is here instead of Larry Fedora. Like, um, our personnel haven't hardly changed. I know we made a change at the quarterback and it's, and that is so much easier to see the results, but the receivers are the same. The backs are the same. The linemen are the same. The reason the offense has worked to this point, even though we struggled this past weekend, is because Jeff Grimes' system is going to work, and it and it does work. I would not be surprised if they do what, exactly what you're saying and they incorporate a little bit of the of the zone read into what they're doing already. 
but you're right. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a feature. Um, but they do need to find better ways to use Gary's legs because I agree with you it, after like two, two times of, of running the draw or the power in the, uh, second half it's just it was too obvious when they were going to yeah. do it i mean we were all calling it from our couches you know they're defensive but i want to give credit to oklahoma state's defensive staff their coaching staff um they they did something really interesting where they would stack the box to slow the run and simultaneously their safeties would be 12 15 yards off the line of scrimmage so you were kind of fearful to throw it over the top but it, it was effective against the run and then somebody pointed out um Oh, who did I see that pointed this out? Maybe it was maybe it was Griffin on the broadcast. I can't remember that even though their safeties were 15 yards back, their first step was always toward the line of scrimmage so that they were still making plays at the line of scrimmage. So, right. so um, however they drew up that defense was really, really effective at like scaring Baylor out of throwing the ball, but you're also baiting Baylor to throw the ball because you've got so many guys in the box and you're stopping the run. It was a really good defensive game plan. I mean – Oklahoma state. And that's what I said when I, when I've told people I was the only guy I'm in a group text with five or six buddies from Baylor. And I'm the only guy that picked Oklahoma state to win the game. And they were all being critical of me. I said, listen, it's not just that it's in Stillwater. It's that that's a great coaching staff. Like that coaching staff often gets um, underappreciated because they share a state with, with Oklahoma, but that is a great coaching staff that um, I've never seen Oklahoma state be out coached. I've seen them lose plenty of games. They, They don't get out coached hardly ever. Um, so they, they came in and, and (laughs) yes, they outcoached us this game. They did. They did. (laughs) It's like not Um, even close. They did. And I still think, (laughs) I still think as, as much as we were outcoached, I think if we execute our game plan, we still win the game, but yeah, I could go on and on, but you understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk offensively specifically before we switch over to what our defense look like? I would be really interested to know, and maybe there's some guys that are watching the tape at a closer level than you and I have. I want to know why RG, RJ Sneed and Tristan Ebner had no catches. I want to yeah. know if that's because they were not getting separation. Um, I want to know if that was by design. Um, I love seeing Drew Estrada break out. I love throwing the deep post to Taekwon three times a game. Like, let's do that all day. I was really, really, really bummed that – RJ and Treston weren't involved in the past game. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'd love to know from, from a better football guy or someone who has access to maybe some tape I don't have. I'd love to know if that Oklahoma State – did Oklahoma State take them away? Did they not create separation? Or was that our scheme? Did we not scheme them open the way that we should be scheming them open? I just don't know. And yeah. I'm curious. Um, yeah, I, shoot. Out. I don't know either. I don't know either. I wish I did. And – man I think that's a great point if you've got man we have such a good receiver group and then you talk about Ebner is such an effective receiver as well you would think we would have a few plays to just get him the ball in open space and just get him the ball in their hands so they can get comfortable in the game you know and in in such a talented receiving group RJ is by far the most dynamic I mean he is you, Estrada and Thornton are great. Some of those guys further down the jet chart are great. Sneed is your guy. He was the third leading receiver in the conference coming into the game. Yeah. And I just don't know how you never get him the ball. And I think he really was only targeted once or twice. It didn't even look like we were trying to force him the ball. And even last season, last season when nothing else on offense was working, 
Charlie would force the ball to RJ and you'd get something going. I was just really surprised. I was really, really surprised RJ Sneed um, didn't have five catches, just out of desperation even yeah. um, in that game. Yeah, I would have liked to see us target Sneed a, a lot more. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll do that this week. Um, now let's talk about that defense. Our run defense was not good. Um, it wasn't great against Iowa State. Um, now two weeks in a row, just not looking up to par as to what we expected it to be. Was this missing Terrell Bernard mostly, or are we just, are we just not tackling? It's both. Um, if you look at the numbers, the numbers will tell you that we don't miss Terrell Bernard because Matt Jones, I think had 13 tackles. I'm not looking at it. He, yeah, he had like 13 or 14, um, two tackles he, for loss. He, he played, he played well for sure. Right. Um, however, I, I definitely think missing Terrell Bernard contributes to this huge. I, I, I said before the season, that guy's the best player in the Big 12, and I still believe that. Um, that being said, uh, so many – it was almost first year of Matt Rule slash Bryles-esque. So many missed tackles. You had opportunities mm-hmm. to, to stop a lot of those runs, and you didn't. Um, if you look at the numbers, I, I did a little bit of this. It's kind of interesting. We held Oklahoma State to 3.7 a carry which is not awful until you consider that Oklahoma state coming into the game was averaging 3.3 a carry. So, um, you know, Warren looked good. I think that's a good group, but we did allow them to go almost half a yard over their season average on yards per carry. Mm, I didn't know. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. So it was, yeah, I, uh, you got to make your tackles when you get there and you're always going to miss a Terrell Bernard and, um, our, our defensive line, again, uh, kind of like our offensive line just didn't win our defensive line, was just not winning a lot of battles at that very first level, which is why you had double digit tackles from Doyle and, um, Jones and Riley Tejada was your next leading tackle. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, your defensive line is never going to lead your team in tackles, but they really, really got pushed around, especially early. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, you got to win up front, man. Got to do it. Yeah, a little ah, man. I'm just. I keep waiting for Apu to just have that game where we're like, yes, yes, like we this were, is why you're here. And we sold a false bill of, of goods, man. It sure seems like it. It sure we, seems like it because we bought in. We bought into the hype without ever seeing the man play a snap, and we were wrong. I mean, I, and I would love for him to prove me wrong and make me shut up. I would love that. Um, we were sold a false bill of goods. He's not what we were told he was. And At least I've, not heard yet. Stories, I've heard stories about, well, it's just because he came in out of shape. So be it. I mean, he's not what yeah. we brought him to Baylor to be. And, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, yeah. uh, man, I've liked Chidi Ogbenaya. I think he needs to be starting. Um, I've really he's liked great. what I've seen from Chidi. Just very solid. and. Yep. I would like to see Chidi get the start, honestly, against West Virginia and maybe give Apu a little kick in the tail, like, hey, it's time to pick it up. Um, you know, I know he's young and I know he's a ball of energy, but I also I, I'm going back and forth on this. I'm not a huge fan of river dancing on the sideline when you're down when when your team's playing awful and when you're down seven. I'm I'm all about being energized on the sideline and right. pumping up your teammates. Like, yes, let's do that for sure. But 
I don't know, man, something about seeing him river dance on the sidelines while, while that game's going, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't be river dancing while we're getting our, our teeth kicked in. Right. So no, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you, man. Totally. Um, but like the defense as a whole, like they, in my opinion, they did their job. Like you held Oklahoma state w- without that last drive, you held them to 17 points, three points in the second half. You had three turnovers. You started two drives within the Oklahoma state 40. Like they did their job to win the Listen, game. They just need to keep, they need to keep doing that. They're showing up at the right moments of the game. We're bending, but we're not breaking. Listen, we're, we're, we're all a little prone in today's social media culture to be prisoners of the moment. Okay. So as I was, as, as all the listeners know, so you've expressed, <laughs> you've expressed being a prisoner of the moment after the game. Um, I had a buddy and I won't say his name, but he, he will listen and he will know I'm talking about him. Text our group text in the first quarter and say, guys, our defense is not good. We need to question Aranda. We need to be worried about it. I laughed at the text, you know, ha ha reaction. Right. Cause I'm like, bro, it's the first quarter. Turns out. Yeah. If you asked me before the game, Hey, you force three turnovers and you hold them to 24. I'm saying, yes, I- I'll take that every day against the, any day. Mike Gundy team. Yes. I'm taking that. And, and, uh, by it's funny. Cause that same friend by the end of the game was like, our defense is good again. <laughs> Don't be a prisoner of the moment. We have a great defense. We, do. we really do. We and do. yes, they struggled in Stillwater. I expected them to. Um, you force three turnovers, two in enemy territory, and get zero points? That ain't on the defense, bruh. Not even a field goal attempt. Ain't on the defense, bruh. That's, I mean, the defense did more than enough to win the, to win the ball game. And like you said, uh, I think played an outstanding second half. I think played the second half. Like, like I want them to play every game. So um, yeah, dude, uh, you know, I think you put on, on our agenda here. Did the defense do their job? The answer is yes. Unequivocally. Yes. A resounding yes. uh, You know um, it's not even close. I mean, if you want to talk about who this game is on, Dylan Doyle said after the game, this isn't on the offense or defense. It's on Baylor. And I appreciate that attitude from a player as a fan. That's the right a, answer. As an amateur pundit, I'm telling you, uh, the offense was the problem. The defense did more than enough to win a game on the road. For sure. Yeah. Offense was the problem. And honestly, like I'm pointing to our coaching staff too. We talked about how we got out coached um, 12 men on the field penalties not being lined up ready for a play defensively. I want to talk about that, but we you yeah. can finish your thought. Yeah. So not, not being lined up on defense ready. I, I remember they threw it out to number one, their best receiver uncovered, just got like 15 yards. Um, you know, it felt like, and look guys, I'm not an offensive genius. I don't know offensive X's and O's. Okay. But it just felt like there wasn't many adjustments to our run game. And we kind of just kept trying to do the same things. I remember a third and eight and we uh, ran it with Ebner sideways, you know? Um, so, you know, take that as you will, cause I'm not a super good X's and O's offensive guy, but like the 12 men on the field penalties, the timeouts when we're not prepared, like that's the coaches deserve some blame for lack of preparation there. Yes. And Matt rules staff did the exact same thing. Uh, don't be a prisoner of the moment. I'm not talking to you specifically. I'm talking to anybody. Uh, in 2017, 
Hold on. I've got it pulled up. <laughs> Let's remember, first of all, in 2017, when we, because everyone's like, well, Scott, we've won two of the last three times in Stillwater. Okay. Two of those teams were Big 12 championship caliber teams. Mm-hmm. In 2017, we lost 59 to 16 in Stillwater in Matt Rule's first year. And what I remember saying on this podcast, and I've got the tape, if you want like the clip, I'll send it to you. I said, how, I said exactly what you just said. I said, how the hell do we not line up and know that they're going to do a no huddle? It's Oklahoma State, right? The exact same thing happened. And so I don't want to excuse Aranda and staff because you're right. I think they they were ill prepared for some of those things. However, uh, I think that is a, and, and everyone's going to say, Scotty, you keep preaching the same message. I'm a Baptist preacher, okay? This is the same sermon every time. <laughs> that is what happens in Stillwater. Matt Rule's first trip to Stillwater, we weren't ready for the no huddle. We had 12 men on the field penalties. We, we looked utterly underprepared from a coaching perspective. You go back two years later, much better. You yeah. were ready for all of it. I think Aranda has now, um, you know, seen uh, just just what that environment and how that coaching staff likes to run it because okay let's be fair to Aranda too like last year's game against Oklahoma State was the closest I've ever seen Baylor to just deciding to not play a football game right yeah Um, yeah and so and so I don't think Aranda yet had actually really like been like all right this is Oklahoma State this is how you prepare for them this is how you play in Stillwater he's seen it now I'm actually like I'd hate this would be a terrible bet I'd go ahead and make the bet two years from now, we go up there and win Um, because of those things, because I I really think um, it's inexcusable, but it's, it is, it is four years later, the exact same story we saw four years ago. Um, And I think it's going to get better. I, I, I think you're right. I, I, it does not call it. I'll say it this way. It's not a cause for concern for me moving forward. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I agree with you there. Not a cause for concern. This was Aranda's first true road test in the Big 12. And it just happened to be in like the place where it's our kryptonite. And so, yeah, I think no cause for concern. I think he's going to get it fixed. And one thing that helped me get perspective after the game and made me feel better was his post-game comments. And he said, the competitive maturity of this team needs to be better. It's something that he says he preaches every single day. And he said, flat out said it, it disappointed. I, I, he may even have said extremely disappointed. Um, and like that's on the tip top of his list to get corrected. And man, he, he hit the nail on the head, competitive maturity. He talked in his press conference today about the three biggest moments of the game. The first drive of the game. The drive right before half. Yep. And their last offensive drive, the three yep. most stressful times of the game, we were at our worst. We were at our worst. So Aranda's comments after the game really gave me hope that he's going to get it fixed and just also just continue to be excited about how Aranda is able to get perspective and really put his finger on the pulse of the team. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think we're seeing a little bit, uh, especially in that post-game press conference, if you go watch it and, and just watch his face, you know, the the one like question mark or criticism people have of Aranda is, well, does he have any sort of emotion or can he, yo, you saw it. Yeah. You saw, I mean, if you just watch his face, 
the bulldog and the competitor came out. It, it wasn't the um, the straight faced. Well, I just think we need to. You know, it was it was like he was pissed. And, was. and it should have been. And, and, you know, that's what you want to see from your head coach after a game like that. So I, I, you know, I think you caught a glimpse of what the players will see in practice and in the locker room that we don't see. Um, I like what he said, how he defined competitive maturity in that same press conference. He said, competitive maturity is to be your best authentic self in the most competitive and pressurized situations. And you're right, Travis, it was those three drives. And I, and I thought the same thing before we started recording this, uh, I think the biggest killer of that whole game was the drive before halftime. Um, I mean, you take those seven points off the board, you never know what could have happened in that second yeah. half when we scored. I mean, you never know how the momentum changes. That touchdown with less than two minutes left was huge in both ways. It was huge for Oklahoma State, it's momentum and, and confidence, and it was a killer for us. I it mean, was. it really, really was. Even though you come out in the third quarter and play really well, that touchdown before half just bitchy you the rest of the game. And so I completely agree with you. I agree with Aranda. And I think Aranda, he said it without saying it. If you go watch the post-game press conference, you'll see it. Aranda could have boiled it down to one play. He could have boiled it down to one play. And it was Matt Jones getting that penalty for pushing and standing over Spencer Sanders on the sideline. Dude, as a, as a fan, 90% of the time, you don't mind some of those penalties because it's, it's the, uh, the macho like competitive. And if it was the first quarter, I, I don't think it would bother me, but in that moment on that drive in that game with the way the game had gone, you saw what Aranda did. We all saw it on national television. <laughs> he grabbed Ron Robertson, pointed at Jones. Well, he pulled Jones off the field when he tried to get back on the field, looked at Ron Robertson, said he's done. And, and he there, was, been. there was no like, he and that, again, you saw that emotion that sometimes Aranda doesn't show. He was angry, and yes. and that I think that one penalty is what actually caused, if I had to guess, Aranda to go on this rant about competitive maturity. Because and he, he even said in the post game press conference, "I'm I'm extremely disappointed with yeah. Matt Jones." Because somebody yeah. asked him, I think I think it was John Werner, because John Werner's a great great question asker. Yes, yes. He, he said, uh, "How what do you think of the play of Matt Jones?" Right. And of course, Aranda said, well, he played great. Um, and I'm really disappointed in him. Like yeah. he blew it. Right. He did. Um, so it comes, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. It's the penalties. I think the penalties are and the continued struggle with penalties are what are continuing to drive Aranda crazy. And, yeah. and, and what takes you from being a competitive team to being a great team. For sure. And, and to your point about the penalties, man, we just, I, I would think at this point of the year, we would get the penalties cleaned up. Um, we haven't yet. So that's a little bit disappointing. And Aranda said it again in his press conference today. He said, uh, God, what did he say? He said uh, something about we're playing two opponents. We're playing West, you know, we were playing Oklahoma State and we were playing ourselves. You know, we need to play one opponent per week. Um, so I thought that I, I liked what he said there. Um, and I want to talk about uh, before we wrap up this game here, I want to talk about two plays that seem to be. And maybe even three. I'll maybe even th throw a third one in there that seemed to be uh, up in arms as, as a fan base. So just I'll get you to agree or disagree. The fourth and 15, okay, we're at the Oklahoma State 36. Following an interception, we're down 14 to zero, and we punt from our 36. A lot of people thought we should have gone for that. I disagree. I, I agreed with the punt. That is 15 yards is hard to get, especially in that game. 
as we saw, you know, your defense had played well um, stopping them. So, yeah, lean on your defense there. I, I agreed with the punt there. I agree with you. I, uh, your defense is your best unit on the team. Um, in that game, we just were not getting anything going on offense. I had no, I have no faith, like, or very little faith that we could have gotten 15 yards on that play based mm -hmm. on how the rest of things had gone. Um, I don't know how good your kickers are. I, I would have been tempted to just shoot for the 50 plus yard field goal. Yeah, I think it would have been just, 53. I would have, you know, Let's see what Rosh we got in Hankins, man. Let's see know, what we got. We know Rauschenberg has the leg for that, but he's proven not to be super accurate on those field goals. Um, we haven't seen Hankins try it. I might have – I'm playing armchair quarterback, right? <laughs> I might have tried the field goal. Like, let's get points on the board. If yeah. we miss, okay, defense, I'm trusting you, right? Like, go go make some stops or go get another pick or whatever. Right. Um, but I, I also, on the whole, don't disagree with the decision to punt. Furthermore, Aranda, and I want to talk about this fourth down. It was the one I texted you about. Yeah, Aranda, yeah. Aranda has been really, really, really aggressive on fourth downs this year. And so when he find, when when he's the one that's like, we need to punt, like we needed to punt. <laughs> because he, is, he has not shown a, uh, like a fear of going for fourth down. Um, it was obvious to him in that situation. We're not yeah. going to get it. Yeah. Let's let's pin them deep. Uh, I actually thought more controversial to my mind was fourth and four with over eight minutes to go in um, your own territory. I think it was Baylor. I think it was the 36 Baylor's 36. We went for a fourth and four Yeah, with eight minutes to go down a touchdown three. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think down we were three. only down three, man. And didn't get it. Mm. That to me. I actually wish we would have punted there. Me too. Um, I, I that is the fourth down, and that's the one where again, I saw stills and screenshots on Twitter. There was a perfect pocket. Gary panicked a little bit because there was early pressure. He rolled out to the right, and then he made a a really really tough throw that he wasn't going to complete on the run right. because he ran out of room and time. Um, I wouldn't have gone for that fourth down. That that to me was the more questionable fourth down call. Um, but overall, man, I, I don't get way too worried about those. What do we do on fourth down decision? Yeah, if you play better the entire game, we're not sitting here talking about fourth downs. We're talking sure. about, you know, other things. So, yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that one, too. Would have liked to see the punt. But um, on the on the flip side of that, I'm happy that we're aggressive on fourth downs. So, you know, could yeah. be worse. Could be worse, I guess. Um, and man, on that third and two, right near near the end of the game, they get the holding call. Um we accept the holding call, which ends up being a negative at the end. So, you know, hindsight's 2020. Now we're saying, don't accept it. Why would you do that? Um, yeah. What did you think about that? Oh, I'm going to give you a funny take on this one. I've been thinking about this all afternoon. In the moment I was screaming at the TV. I, I could not believe you don't put him on fourth down uh, uh, right there. I, mm -hmm. I was so angry. Uh, hindsight would tell you since they went on to score, you should have taken the fourth down and, and maybe, maybe the momentum of, of how well they did on that third down play is what uh, took them into converting the fourth down on the next play. Could be, maybe could be. Or however, Aranda said in post game, they were going to go for it like fourth and two, they were going to go for it. My thinking was it's a longer field goal. If we do hold them 
And now they've got to go a lot further in two plays than yeah. this fourth and two. I'm not going to argue with that rationale. In the moment, I disagreed. In hindsight, it's easy to disagree. I don't think that's a bad decision overall. I, I think, you know, again, if you if you hold them even even to five yards and it's fourth and ten, and you've persuaded them to take the field goal instead of going for a fourth and two, you know, that's yeah. a win. So hard hard to be too critical of that one. Yeah, I I, I agree because you know you and I just got done talking about how our defense is the best unit and we need to give them opportunity to win the game, which they deserve the opportunity to win the game there, or at least give us, you know, give us the ball back, hold them to a field goal. So yeah, hard to be critical of that decision. Hard to be mad at, at Aranda saying, Hey defense, I'm going to give you guys two plays, but they're going to go 12 yards versus one play for two yards. So yeah, yeah. I'm kind of with you on there. So enough, uh, enough, with the negativity here, Scotty, give me your positive spin on the game. Uh, Which you kind of have already throughout this conversation. Well, good. Uh, forcing three turnovers is always, is always, should always be enough to win you a Big 12 game um, and not turning the ball over. I, I will keep, listen, this was Gary's worst game. Yes. He made some poor plays. Uh, he made some poor throws. Uh, he still has not thrown an interception all season. And I just can't, I cannot say enough, like, uh, and especially as opposed, and I wish him well and hope he goes and starts somewhere great. Um, I'm not confident that would be the case if Jacob Zeno were your quarterback. I know it wouldn't be the case if Charlie Brewer were your quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, I love that he doesn't throw picks. And, and, and uh, I think that is a continued positive that's going to help us win a game here at some point in the in a close in a close game this season um i still think the uh the defense is a positive man i still oh yeah i still am happy with how they played overall i'm happy with how they stepped up in the second half um and again i think i think the biggest positive takeaway is like i said at the very beginning of this conversation i think baylor got its mind right more than anything at halftime and 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 came out with an energy that they should have come out with at the top of the game and when they came out at halftime with that energy, uh, you know, could have won the game had you played like that in the first half. So yeah. um, there's no moral victories. I, I'm not happy with the loss, especially because it was close. That makes me more mad that we lost. Um, but I, I still think this is a great football team, man. I still think this football team's exceeding what you thought they'd be preseason. Um, yeah, and I, I think, I, again, I think we're still in a really good spot to chase the Big 12 if, if we take care of business this weekend. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, looking back at this game, I've got, I've got a bunch of positive spins actually, you know, and we've kind of mentioned them throughout here. Um, we were playing in Stillwater. Okay. That was Aranda's first true road test. Um, and I'm sure they learned a lot. I'm sure they learned a lot. And I think, uh, Steven, Steven from Virginia or Steven in Virginia on Twitter, he, he sent this out, and this made me feel better, too. No Baylor coach in the last 20 years has won their first game in Stillwater. And if you look at the scores, Aranda's was the closest game, 24-14, only a 10-point loss. Okay, so that, that made me feel pretty good. Here's another positive. We're 4-1, guys. We're two games away from bowl eligibility. Like, come on. Come on. How exciting Great. is that? That, that was everyone's – I would say if you had to put – you know, one thing on everyone's mind about this year, it's just getting to a bowl. Right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, guys. We're going to get there. Yep. And, and we have a win over a team that a bunch of people picked to make the playoff in Iowa State. So, like, we can beat anybody in front of us, okay? 
Um, the well, defense is – go ahead. I'll second that. We can beat anybody in front of us, but it's not because we're great. It's because no team is great this year. Oklahoma is not a great team this year, and no. I can't explain it. I can't explain it because I thought Spencer Rattler was going to take the world by storm, and 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 uh, I really thought that team was just going to keep rolling. I don't know what it is with Oklahoma. They're not great. I mean, oh, they, they have not beat the socks off of anybody, and they've played some pretty bad teams. So um, I agree with you. We can beat anybody in front of us. There is no game on our schedule we can't win. For sure, for sure. And look, I we can talk about, you know, making the Big 12 championship and that being a possibility. Um, I want to focus on bowl, bowl eligibility first. Um, but if you're a person that's worried about making the Big 12 championship, it's not out of reach. Not out of reach at all. And you know what? All. If we if we finish third or fourth in the conference, that it still exceeds every single person's expectation coming into this year. Big time. So, I don't think anybody chose us to to finish in the top half of the Big 12. Yeah. Outside of Baylor. You you finished number Maybe three. Or, you finished number three or four in the conference. It still helps your recruiting. I mean, Aranda and Joey McGuire and that team are still going to recruit saying, We finished three. This is year two. Do you want to be part of the team that gets back to the championship? Do you want to be part of the team that wins the championship? Matt Rule didn't do that. We're just a few pieces away. Do you want to come be part of that? Like, I, I still think um it is, it will take, and I'm going to knock very hard on this desk when I'm done saying this. It will take a really cataclysmic failure to not finish in the top half of the Big 12 this season, the way we're playing. I think so. I, I, I think so. The, like you said, the way we're playing, and we can still play better. And also, just the rest of the Big 12 is not up to par as we thought it would be. So, well. That's all I got for the Oklahoma State game. Anything else you want to talk about with Oklahoma State? I think we, uh, yeah, okay, we got. I never. That. I I will probably try to go again in two years, just because that will be that will have been ten years since I've been up there. Yeah. Um, as much as I talk crap about it, dude, that is one of the best game day experiences in college football for sure, and so underrated. So, um, but it's a very cool college town. Stillwater is. If you have not been able to go to Stillwater, it's like all just like right there it's almost like you can walk the entire city honestly Dude, and that's the thing people i saw it's people, cool I, I love the smack talk and baylor fans were smack talking on twitter and all this dude here's the deal i if i were 18 again i'd rather go to stillwater for college than college station same i'd, ra- I'd rather go there than fort worth same i'd rather go there than lubbock i mean <laughs> I, I mean stillwater is is awesome. it's cool man Eskimo it's really Dubs, cool that place is great it's so, cool yeah, I, I agree. And the year that I went for the college game day, yeah, everything. Atmosphere the is campus great. Is like, nice. Campus is nice. The fans were nice, at least to me, at least the ones I encountered. Have you heard were, my story about Oklahoma State fans? I guess not. I'm going to tell this as quickly as I can um, because I know we're, we're getting up to time here. Um, Drew Mills, some of you follow Drew Mills on Twitter, AC Mills, uh, and Amondo Dominic, I don't know if all you follow Amondo. Um, he's he's also Baylor Baylor Twitter guy. I love Amondo. Uh, we went up there with some other guys uh, for college game day in 2013. We got into the we got to the. It was kind of funny when we got there. No, a bunch of students were camped out, but none of them were camped out at the entrance to the place where you go stand behind mm-hmm. the set. So we walk right up, we, and we got there the night before. We were out there for you know. 16 hours or something like that but we walk right up to the gate where they're going to let people in at which point all the oklahoma state fans realized that like now these three baylor guys were at the front 
so they all got angry and and then after an entire night of standing out there we indeed got to be front and center so it was and it was literally oh me and mondo gosh. and drew me and mondo and drew and we're surrounded by oklahoma state people right behind the college game day set we're pumped oh my gosh 10 minutes before the show goes live and i've been up for over 24 hours at this point right uh they're like we're going to run a camera test hold up your signs go nuts and then in 10 minutes we'll do the real thing well this guy kept trying to throw the sign out of my hand he's like reaching over my shoulder trying to throw my sign away and uh i kind of turned around to say like what's your problem and he starts cussing us out and saying we shouldn't be there and drew uh Drew steps in and goes, man, I thought we were in Stillwater, not College Station, to which bro, uh, Oklahoma State bro swings. No. And we get in a fight. Dude, no. I'm not making this up. This is what? No, wait. Because I'm. This is, this is all going to be a credit to Oklahoma State people. We get in a fight. Security, two security guards start rushing over. And next thing I know, I'm like, I'm about to get kicked out of college game day. 10 minutes before we go live and I'd never been to a college game day set. Remember that's the first time Baylor was on college game day ever Yeah, before they came to Waco or anything. And uh, the security guards come over and say, what happened? And all the other Oklahoma state people point at this one dude and they're like, he started it. Baylor fans didn't do anything wrong. And so they, they, yes. kicked, they kicked him out and they let us stay. Yes. And I turned around to all of those people and I was like, yo thanks because you very easily could have gotten us thrown out of here yeah. they're like yeah that guy that guy comes to every nationally televised event and starts a fight we hate him y'all are fine <laughs> so i say all that to say uh oklahoma state fans will always and forever be special and friends of mine oh man uh, as much as i wish we could oh, go man. in there and i i do have a lot of love for Cowboys. I'm glad that story ended that way because I was talking so highly of all these Oklahoma State fans, and I thought you were about to just poop on my point right there. No, apparently, <laughs> and I, I don't even know the guy's name. I probably wouldn't even recognize him today. Maybe I would. I mean, we did try to punch each other in the face, but uh, I don't even remember what he looks like, man. Yeah. But the rest of those fans were uh, – You got a great story clutch. out of it too. Super clutch. Oh, it's <laughs> a very fond memory, yeah. And we'll take a pause there because we've got to find out who the oh-so-good player of the game was this weekend. And look, the defense was the only reason we were in this game, so I've definitely got to go with the defensive player. And I thought this guy stepped up well in Bernard's absence. And look, even though our run defense wasn't great, he still played really well. Dylan Doyle at linebacker, 15 tackles, led the team, five solo, had a tackle for loss, had the interception, and look, I thought he played consistently and was our best linebacker in rush defense. We'll need him to continue playing well, especially if Bernard misses any more time. Okay, let's talk West Virginia here. Um... Kind of a background. I'll give you guys a little bit of background here on West Virginia. Last year, six and four, four and four in conference, finished sixth in the Big 12. This year, they're two and three, which is shocking to me. Honestly, it's shocking that they're two and three. Oh, and two in conference. They were picked to finish sixth again. They have had a very up and down year. So they started the year off with a loss to Maryland, 30 to 24. And we saw Maryland just get annihilated by Iowa this past weekend. So uh, I was legit. They're I think, so good too. I think I, that I is actually more of a uh, 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 
feather in Iowa's cap than an in, than a uh, detriment to Maryland. I think Iowa's going to uh, get into the playoff. I really they do. have they have an excellent secondary for sure. I mean, five interceptions, so that's all. You they might know. go undefeated. I mean, they might go undefeated into the playoff. They really, no. really might. Yeah. And hey, you say it's a big a, a down year for the Big Twelve. I think so for the Big Ten as well. Um, I agree. So, yeah, yeah I think, yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all if Iowa ends up in the playoff. Um, went over Long, Long Island University 66-0. Okay. Um, they come back next week, have a very good win over Virginia Tech 27-21. Virginia Tech's playing well. Um, next week, go to Norman. Play really good in Norman. I really, really thought they were going to get that, that game. game. Yeah. Man, they really should have pulled that game out. Um, you know, you got – you got the fans chanting for the backup there. Um, I love when the OU fans get angry in Norman. I was there when they all uh, booed uh, the defense when we went five out and uh, just dink and duck down the whole field and beat them in Norman. So that was amazing. Um, and then, sorry, a little tangent there. And then, man, like, I was ready to put Tech in the bottom two of the Big 12. And then Tech goes – to West Virginia and beats them 23 to 20. I with a with their backup, which by the at way, this, it might end up being their starter now. At um, this at this point, that is the most shocking game in college football to me. And and same. probably and probably will be no matter what else happens. You've got a Texas Tech team that barely put Stephen F. Austin away. <laughs> I I really I mean I was thinking after that game they were competing with Kansas to to get same. nine. I, I was ready to say Kansas is going to beat Tech easy. I know it. I know it. So, but yeah. So, man, very up and down year here for West Virginia. I was ready after that OU game to say, dude, these guys are going to make, going to make a push for the Big 12 championship, finish third or fourth. Now I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think about any team in the Big 12 at this point, honestly. Um, but let's talk about that that West Virginia offense. Jarrett Daigie, let's start there. Improved or same guy? Both. <laughs> sorry, sorry to give you another not answer. Uh, he he is improved. He is improved. I think I think he's he's definitely improved. He's also just the same guy, and by, by that I mean um, he's okay. He 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 is a competent Division One starting quarterback. He's nothing special. He will make some throws that look really pretty and are right on target, and then he'll he'll make a decision or make a throw that'll have you scratching your head. I mean, he's he is a competent average mediocre college starting quarterback which means that some weeks maybe you're getting a guy that can really win a tight game and some weeks you're not i mean that's i think that's who Derek daggy is at this point yeah i mean i couldn't say it better myself he's gonna make some throws that you're like wow like right. that's why he's the starting quarterback and you're also gonna make some throws where he just throws it up for grabs throws it up i'm gonna grabs. i'm gonna make a funny prediction uh I won't predict it. I'll say it's very possible. I can't guarantee it will happen. This might be his last week as a starting quarterback. Because I think I think Garrett Green is legit. He yes, I agree. And 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 Garrett and, and and going into this game, I am far more worried about what Garrett Green could potentially do against our defense than what Jarrett Daigie's going to do. I agree. 100%. I hope Daigie plays this entire game because yeah. Daigie like is is turnover prone, but he is also not mobile. He right. if we can close in on that pot, he is not going to escape. Green right. is their second leading rusher. I was looking at their stats today. 
Yep. Their backup quarterback is their second leading rusher. Not only that, but he, <laughs> he's averaging 6.3 a pop. So it's not, it's not like a freak thing. So like, if you look down their rushing statistics, uh, their other two backs running backs only have 10 and nine attempts. So they're really not even being used. Right. Um, but they're also, uh, one is averaging 2.8 a carry. One's averaging four. Um, Letty Brown's averaging 4.6. Letty Brown's one of the better running backs in the big 12. Um, Garrett Green's averaging 6.3 yards on 28 carries. Um, you know, he's good, man. And, and he's doing that even though when he trots into the game, you know, there's a good shot. He's carrying the football. Like this is not a secret. Like defensive coordinators are, are coaching their teams all week. Hey, when Garrett Green comes in, they're going to run the option. They're going to run a quarterback draw. And he's still averaging 6.3 a carry. Um, the guy looks a lot. Ooh, I'm going to say it. The guy looks a lot like Johnny, man. And, and that's one of those things. I don't like player comps. And there will never be another Johnny Manziel just in the style and in the way he played. Garrett Green looks a lot like him. I mean, I, I don't think he's that good. But right. he's pretty good. <laughs> he's better than Daigie, honestly. I would put Green, but I would start Green. I would start Green. I would start. Well, that's Daigie. what I'm saying. I think Daigie, Daigie will start this week, but do not be surprised if they start giving not just like red zone snaps to Green, but they start giving like maybe a drive somewhere in the second half, especially like if, if Baylor. This is a game where I don't want to discount West Virginia because before the season, I thought they'd be one of the better teams in the conference. I said before the season, and this is embarrassing now, that they were one of my two guaranteed losses, even though we have them at home, because I really thought they were going to take a big step up. Me too. Um, don't be su- This game would not surprise me if we go up big. It would also not surprise me if it's tight or if they go up big. I mean, I really could see this game going any way. They're going to come in extra motivated after last week. But it really wouldn't surprise me, that being said, if we're up by two or three scores in the second half, they give green a drive and he wrecks us for a drive. Yeah. Yeah. Would not shock me. And I think if he does that, I think if he does that, you know, um, I guess it was four years ago. We saw, uh, was it four years ago? Good grief. It was four years ago. We saw Charlie Brewer coming in the fourth quarter and lead one of the greatest comebacks in college football history. Didn't quite amazing. get it done, but almost get it done as a true freshman. Garrett green's not going to do that. But he may come in in the third or fourth quarter and make it scary. Um, and then he may never – Daigie may never start another game. That yeah. would not surprise me at all. No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, West Virginia, I don't think that – they have not played a defense as good as us. They have not. True. We just – uh, we have turned uh, people over in every game. We just got three interceptions last game against a quarterback who's much better than Jared Daigie. So – yeah, would not be shocked if if the Baylor defense was the the straw that breaks the camel's back and and benches Daggy for good. But um, back to the but back to the point about how we played against Spencer Sanders. Uh, we did play obviously super well against him in the passing game, but he still had twelve carries for seventy six yards, which is exactly why Green scares me mm-hmm. uh, and why I think you if you're the West Virginia coaching staff you have to at least be toying with the idea of giving him some drives and not just gadget plays be- because so. Spencer Sanders did show you, and it's hard. It, 
it's hard to defend a quarterback who can move and, and unpredictably get out of the pocket and go. Green's good, man. Green He's might good. be better. Green might be better than Sanders in that regard. They're both great athletes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really curious to see how they use those two quarterbacks this week. Yeah, and and even further to that point, West Virginia here last last in the Big Twelve in rushing offense, which is shocking to me because I thought also Letty Brown was one of the better backs in the Big Twelve, and I expected him to have a big year. And so if they're well, rushing, go ahead. their offensive line has underperformed big time. It's um, it's shades. Honestly, it is shades of 2019, 2020 Baylor, where their defense yeah, is just keeping sure. them in games, making plays, just dominating. And their offense comes out and is just inept, inept. Sure. I mean, they, <laughs> we averaged 90 rushing yards a game last year. They're averaging 88 right now. So, yeah, would not be shocked to see him put green in there for a rushing attack because rush defense has been our weakness. Tackling has been our weakness. Mobile quarterbacks has been our weakness. So, yeah, I would be – yeah, wouldn't be sure. Good news, good news on that front for, if you're a Baylor fan, though. I think we're, we're hoping to get Bernard back, right? Yes. So, um, again, it's one guy out of 11, but I really think this is the best player in the conference. So, I, I think you get Terrell Bernard back. Um, your run defense is instantly a letter grade better. And, and so, that's good news if you're a Baylor fan. Yeah, and – Aranda did mention today, he was asked about Terrell Bernard. He says all points signed to Bernard's going to be back. And yes, you're right. It's just one body, but Bernard's football IQ is just so off the charts that he knows where to be before the play starts. And then when you add in the athleticism, I mean, he's in every play. He's, he's, he's a 20, he's a linebacker in 2021. So the trend, the trend for five or six years now has been um, smaller, faster, yep. physical at linebacker. And he fits the mold perfectly, man. I Perfect. mean, long gone are the days and I love him. He was, he's a hall of famer for a reason, but Brian Erlacher would not be uh, a star in today's NFL or college football. He, he was too slow. Yeah. He um, cannot, he would those not days be able to cover. You, yeah. You've got to be an athlete at that spot. Um, that middle or that weak linebacker spot, both you got to be an athlete and, and uh, Bernard's doing it, man. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll also note, I think, you know, Matt Jones has played excellent for us. He's, yes. I think he's better on the outside. So I think I if we can get Jones back to the outside and get him pass rushing, he's so quick. He's so quick and elusive. Um, I really I like to see Jones on the outside this game and he, <sighs> I don't know if it'll carry over and Aranda will still be mad at him and maybe not let him start. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Jones on the outside again. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Let's talk about West Virginia defense here. Um, West Virginia third in rushing defense, only allowing about 90 rushing yards per game. After last week, are you worried about a rushing attack against them? Here's the deal. I'm going to talk to Baylor fans for a second. Prepare to be frustrated and get over it. Because if I know Jeff Grimes, we are going to run the ball, whether it's working or not. And, and that's part of it. That's part mm -hmm. of it. Right. Um, you obviously hope that that stubborn sticking to the run 
works out like it did in Stillwater when there was one pop and uh, you get a 55 yard touchdown out of it. Yeah. Or I think, I think more important for Baylor to improve upon and execute Saturday, the play action deep ball. You, you, you hope that you're stubborn. We're running it. We're running it. We're running it. We're running it. That play action deep ball just works. And Gary's got to hit the throw, but you also just hope that you've got a couple guys uh, down the field wide open because you lure some safeties to sleep. Um, West Virginia is a disciplined defense. I've compared Neil Brown to Matt rule many times. Uh, they are not going to make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they, so I guess to answer your question now, Travis, am I worried about a running attack a little bit? I mean, it's going to be tough to run the ball. I don't think you can do much worse than you did this past week. Knocking yeah. on wood again. Um, we're going to, we're going to run the ball over and over and over, whether it's working or not, whether it's three yards or five yards or two yards, we're going to do it. And so for, for Baylor, it comes down to your O-line, man. Like, um, West Virginia's got those defensive linemen who are just disruptive. Can you move them out of the way? Can you, can you get leverage and make a hole? Because I got to tell you, Abram Smith and Tristan Ebner are going to pick up the yards. They're going to do it. You got to win up front. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as our rushing attack goes, I think I'm right there with you. I think, am I worried? Yeah, a little bit, um, especially after last week, and especially knowing just what this West Virginia front is going to bring um, last year in the big 12, first in total defense, first in scoring defense, first in passing defense, fourth in rushing defense. So that does give me hope there that I think the weakness of their defense is crazy as it sounds is, is their rush defense. Um, their passing defense is excellent. And so if we can show that we can run the ball, maybe a little bit more effectively, do we shuffle in? some different offensive linemen. Do we give Squirrel Williams a few carries earlier in the game to give us a change of pace? You know, what does our rushing attack look like? Are um, we convinced? Are we convinced Squirrel's 100%? I'm not. I don't know. Because Aranda, Aranda did nothing last season except talk about him and hype him up. Coming from LSU, I think he's like, oh, this is a guy who could have played running back at LSU. Like, I really think, and and I think I have to think, if he was proving to be a hundred percent, he'd be in there on a more regular basis. And frankly, if he's not a hundred percent, I don't want him touching the ball. Like yeah. I need him to get healthy. So Same. I'm with, I'm with you, but also I think that's the least of my concerns. I'm, I'm way more with you. I, I would like to see a little more flexibility on if there's a lineman getting beat three out of four plays, let's sub somebody else in and give him a chance to compete. I, I yeah. think I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And so, Yeah. If we can't run the ball, I think you've already answered. If we can't run the ball, I mean, is Gary going to be able to put it on the dime in 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 deep throws? Because against Oklahoma State, he just didn't. Straight up, he just did not. He did not have it. And so if he shows that he doesn't have it this weekend, it may be another long day for the Baylor offense. I think it just might. I think we're going to see this weekend what Gary's made of, and I think he's going to make all of us really happy. And I know I've been an optimist about him since always, and, and especially last offseason as we were talking about this quarterback battle. Um, I I know, you know, you heard the players say he's the one at halftime this past weekend that got in everybody's face and said, we got to be better. He's the one who's watching film on his own time. Um, I have no doubt that means he's also working on, crap, I, I reverted to some bad habits. I need yeah. to set my feet. I need to deliver the ball 
long time. I need to not run out of the pocket because I'm fast. Like, I think he's going to come out and, and respond and you're going to see him. Um, it's not going to be a massive improvement overnight. That's not how it works. But I do think you're going to see him correct, very visibly correct a couple of those issues against West Virginia very quickly. Um, and I, I just believe in him, man. I think he's going to get it done. So, Me and too. again, their struggles against Texas Tech, I feel a lot better about this game than I would have otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. If they had just taken care of business against Texas Tech, I'd be really, really concerned we're going to lose again this weekend. I think because of how they played so poorly against Tech, and again, because I think like we pointed out, um, they are being a little slow to move on from Daigie. Uh, I am not super concerned. I actually think we're going to come and, and maybe win this game pretty easily if we take care of business. Couldn't forget about bare necessities, so here we go. Number one, pressure, Daigie. I think our run defense is going to be better as the West Virginia rush attack has not been great. That's going to force Daigie to beat us through the air. Seven TDs, four interceptions on the year. He fumbled last weekend against Tech. He is also not very mobile, and contain has been one of our weaknesses this year. If we can pressure Daigie, he's going to have a hard time escaping the pocket and he's going to take some throws that are going to be up for grabs. If we think Purdy and Sanders are turnover prone, then Daigie definitely is. Three interceptions on the road against Oklahoma State, we should be able to turn Daigie over in this game. Secondly, run the ball successfully. I know that's a simple one, but after last week, it is super important. It is the identity of our team, and we saw what happened when we can't run the ball. The West Virginia run defense is about the same that of Oklahoma State. They do return a Stills brother at the defensive line, and they've got other guys stepping up like Jared Bartlett, number 10, at linebacker, and Taj Austin, number 12, at defensive line. Do I think Gary can beat them with his arm? Yes. But West Virginia leads the Big 12 in sacks and our pass protection was the worst it's been all year against Oklahoma State. We've got to run the ball effectively. Last, it's tackling and penalties. Not going to go deep into that. Those have been weaknesses all year. We've got to tackle well and we've got to limit the penalties. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. I think at home and with uh, the anger from last week and with the flaws we saw last week, I think these guys come out energized. I think it's going to look similar to Iowa State in that, you know, Iowa State, those first three drives, it was like Baylor's the best team in the country for a minute, right? (laughs) I think we see something similar. I think we come out hot. I think the offense comes out and makes a statement early and whether it's a deep ball or whether it's a run or I don't know, I think we make a statement early. Um, I think Baylor wins. Uh, I haven't thought about this. So let me think. Uh, we'll say I don't have to give a score. You can just say it's going to be a close score. I I, like, like 31, 17. Okay. I think, I think Baylor wins by about two touchdowns, uh, because we start hot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of, uh, I think Baylor's going to win. And I think that mainly that is because we're at home 
And I think mainly it's going to be because Jared Dagey plays terrible. So I think I don't think Dagey's going to play well. I think we're going to see a little bit of the backup in green. And it's going to be too late for them to come back, though. I, I do think maybe uh, green comes in and has a little success. So, you know, I'm thinking right there like 28-21, 31-24, something in that range. I think we'll win by, by one possession. So Great. Mark my words, if it's not Kyron Drones, Garrett Green will be the best quarterback in the Big 12 in three years. Hey, you heard it here first. Scotty, it was fun co-hosting, man. We need to do it again. Thanks for joining. We need to do it again. Thank you to all of you who actually listen to that because Travis and I both get excited and like talking to each other and like talking about this. So it was a little long, but uh, hopefully you got some good info there about this last game and this next game. And Travis, you're doing a great job, man. I'm loving it. Thanks for having me back. Anytime, Scotty, anytime. Thanks again to Scotty for joining me to co-host this week. And thank you to all you listeners out there that bared with us this week. I know it was tough to do that after our performance this past weekend, but we are officially turning the page on what that was. We've got a great matchup here in Waco this weekend against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Not really sure what team we're going to get. Are we going to get the Mountaineer team that played OU close and had a chance to win? Or are we going to get that that team that lost to Tech? We'll find out on Saturday. If you're going to the game, be safe and sick and bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.